The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers! Okay, what are we drinking today? So, we have a great podcast today. We're interviewing Nicholas Rostrom, and he does Nick's Table, and he contacted me, and he says, hey, I wrote this book on gin cocktails. Yeah. Would you like one? And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and... You know, you're going to hear in the pod us interviewing, but basically what I told him I would do is I'm going to systematically go through his book and try his cocktails. I'm not right. going to try to deviate them. A few times I have to use my own license because I just don't have everything or right. the tools. But we love martinis. Yeah. So why not start with his straight martini? It's not defined as either a dry or anything. It's just called his martini. Right. We, and you'll hear in the podcast how we chat with him about the ingredients like right. what yeah but we're gonna try it so his martini and because he's close to the arctic circle basically or above it he's north of the arctic circle yeah and it's europe so they're all using metric basically it's 50 mils of gin he doesn't define what kind of gin he didn't differentiate okay. on this he just said gin so we're trying it with a london dry tangerine but I might try this again with a botanical gin because right. it could change it for us, right? Sure, I'm going to sure. give it the benefit of the doubt. So 50 mils of gin, 15 mils of dry vermouth, which I use Dolan dry vermouth, and then 15 mils of sweet vermouth, which we use Dolan sweet vermouth. Right. So that's what made this a really interesting cocktail because we'd never use sweet vermouth. we'd never use sweet vermouth in our martini. And this is, I remember seeing write-ups about this when they added sweet vermouth to martinis, I remember saying, but I like our London dries. Yeah. Okay, but I'm going to try it. Well, so, he made the point that it's not a dry martini. It isn't. It's right. just a martini. Right. So this is cool. We're trying something new. So basically he had me combine all the ingredients with in ice and stir for 30 seconds. So I did that. And then strain into a martini glass and garnish with a lemon twist. Okay. So I use my cold glasses. But he also has a note here. He says, you can choose to give the glass a spray of orange bitters. Yeah. Well, Nick has all the fancy tools. <laughs> so he has a spray bottle full of bitters, which yeah. is super great. Yep. I want that too. But good, with our recent idea. move, yeah. I haven't added any more things to our liquor cabinet. Right. So to cheat, I figure a spray is like a shake, right. similar. So I shook a couple shakes into a dish and used the silicone painting brush 
and painted the inside of the glasses oh, with orange yeah. bitters before I poured it. And then I made a lemon twist and I did express the oils into the cocktail. Okay, good. So that's, I'm a little different, but I'm going to go with it. This is a martini. Yeah, it's pretty. It's got a nice little floral color. Mm -hmm. The lemon twist is beautiful. You smell, can smell the sweet smell vermouth. The lemon, smell the sweet vermouth, yeah. Okay. Now it's definitely not a dry. It's not. It's very but smooth. It's, but it's very smooth it's balanced. and balanced. Yep, balanced. And it's sweet. And you know what? When he was talking with B, you know, they, he talked about, well, I like the dry, but yeah. she may not, right? This kind of fits that note for those people. You know where this fits? For those people that are purists and say, I like a dry London dry right. gin martini. And then there's a group of people that say, well, I only do vodka. This is a baby a steps. <laughs> this is a crossover. This is the baby steps to get you to the gin side of martinis. Yeah, I think it's beautiful. It's got a very I'm surprised. rounded floral sort of note to it, but not overly so. It's not like a it's not floral sweet. drink. It's not sweet. No. But it definitely has the softness. Like he said that the sweet vermouth gives it a rounder note. It does. And, and it does. I can see a lane for this because if you're having a certain type of meal, yes. like when I have, I mean, for me, this is just my taste. When I'm going to have a nice heavy meal, like a steak or something, yeah. and if I'm not going for a full aperitif type cocktail, yeah. I love to have a martini on days we have steak. But if I'm having something else that might even be international, different type of meal, that I'm just trying to figure out the notes of how I'm going to bring forth, this might be a really good it's cocktail. with an Indian meal, for but, example. Yeah, I was thinking of Thai or yeah, Indian or something yeah. because I was like, you're countering the heavy coconut milk and the heat mm -hmm. and spices, right? And this just gets your palate ready. Yeah, I think it's good. So I I'm, I, well done, Nick. Yeah, I like this one. Good one, Nick. The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Slub USA, the world's strongest, most powerful male masturbator. Visit Slub USA at slub, S-L-U-B-B dash USA dot com. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at WeMinder.app. People come to the podcast for different reasons. Yeah. Some people come because we do amazing cocktails. Yeah. Some people come because we're like lifestyle kingsters and we share our journey. Yes. Some people come because we interview interesting kingsters. Mm-hmm. And some people come because of everything we do. Yeah. And today on the conversation, we have B and Nick from Nick's Table, mm -hmm. a pop-up restaurant situation mm -hmm. north of the Arctic Circle. I know. Who are lifestyle kingsters who enjoy the podcast for all those reasons. So Nick and B, welcome to the conversation. Hi, thanks. Really excited to be here with you tonight. Yeah, we have uh, been listening to your podcast and we share your uh, passion about uh, drinks and cocktails, I will say. Yeah. Well, we're delighted that you're here. We always invite our guests to share their journey as sexual creatures. So, Nick, why don't you go first and share how you discovered yourself as a sexual creature and how things have evolved? Uh, I always have been kind of a kinky one. <laughs> <laughs> always have been having a slightly sadistic side, maybe, but a gentle sadist. I haven't been really able to 
explore that much due to where we're coming from and where I've been living. We've been living in small communities in the rural parts of the world. So it's I really started to develop when I met B. So our journey has been slowly developing together. I think it really took off when we discovered like orgasm denial and edging. Uh, was kind of the first first time I gained control over, or she gave control over parts of her to me. From yeah. there on, we have been exploring it further to me as today. I think I look at myself as more of a pleasure dom to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great. So, Nick, thank you for that. And I sort of agree. Like, I tend to be a bit of a pleasure dom for Lady Petra, too, even though I'm a sadist. B, how about you? What was your experience as a sexual creature, and how did you grow into that? Yeah, I would think that from my group of friends, we were very explorative really early. And in my culture, it's like not a lot of shame put to pleasure for women. So I felt really free and we felt like we were supposed to be able to do all the things that guys were doing and we didn't care about, you know, body counts and stuff like that. So we explored a lot, the friends we had and um, yeah, the guys in the community (laughs) got, (laughs) got their share, but I don't think really for me it has been like a sexual awakening in that part. It was more like performance for me. And when I'm thinking back about it, it was all about how can I be more at service and how can we make this end fast? And not like I have today, like our trust and how we have developed as a couple it's so much more than before and I'm realizing like things have been happening a lot for me as a sexual creature actually with that communication that we have yeah it's um it's more like I feel that it's not a performance I'm doing you know I think that for women it's very common for going into the sexual relations with the kind of thinking that you need to play some kind of role. And I forgot to focus on the experience itself. And I think that's like our journey together. We have been together now for 20 years and it's like developing more and more each year. And we're getting closer both sexually, but also otherwise. And it's all about trusting each other. I think that's the main point. We do that because of we're trusting each other. I think that that's so valuable to share. I mean, you make a couple of really interesting observations, one being that you grew up in a society where sexuality wasn't taboo. And in Europe, and especially in Northern Europe, it seems to be like you point out that it's not something to be ashamed of. But you also make the interesting uh, you know, leap from that, which is the idea that you have to take on a role or perform in the world of sexuality as a participant. Discovering your true authentic self in your 
relationship gives you access to something much deeper. So I think we have the same experience. Oh, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think the whole point she made about, you know, performing and about getting it over with. Yeah. I, that resonated for me entirely based on my previous marriage yeah. it was that just get it done. This is something I do and I perform because it's about looking good or, you know, whatever. Yeah. and then get it done where my inclination with that statement was like, okay, I obviously wasn't present during those times at all. Right. I was going through the motions at some level, even if I felt like I was connected with the person. But at the state I'm in with you is that I'm being present is the most powerful part of it. And to her point was being able to trust and be vulnerable with your partner that's what allows you to be present. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's no other noise in the way. Yeah. No, good stuff. Exactly. I feel that's the most important thing is that... Uh, yeah, we're being present there together. Yeah, and you can focus on, on each other. I feel many times in the past, maybe you are not into it because you're thinking about what's going to happen next and all of that kind of things. But right now we are actually working on the connection and being present for each other at the time. So like during our sexual experience, we are talking a lot, like we are talking all the time about how it feels and what we are thinking. And I feel also more free to talk about my fantasies and like that's yeah. really really like trust based it has to do with trust i believe that even i have crazy ideas he will take <laughs> care of me you know <laughs> that's that's a big thing yeah that's really great that really is you know we've discovered out of our really deep connection that by being present we've actually accessed sort of energetic experiences with each other and so we now begin our scenes with hypnokink because we found that getting her into a trance state faster gives us more access to get to that experience of deep connection and energy. Do you guys do anything to augment that experience of being present? Yeah. What we have done that is really helpful for us is edge play. So it's like I'm focusing my energy on not coming. And it has made it so much, <laughs> so much focused and present because of that. Yeah, and the level of communication that needs for not going over the edge, to stay on that edge for hours and hours and hours mm. at the time, it really focuses or pushes us to have a really good focus on each other, each other's body language, communication. And also, from my point of view, ladies always come first if it isn't in the scene that day that she isn't coming, of course. Yeah, that's really great. It is. It's really great. So I'm really impressed with your English, too. Your command of English is excellent. I don't think we could talk to you in Swedish <laughs> no, <laughs> or, or anything else. All. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to your book. And your book is really all about gin. So are you guys like serious mixologist into gin how does it go nick yeah we started off with gin a couple of years ago uh, because i really think i like the flavor profiles of gin and you can do pretty much everything with it 
or almost everything. And you can mix it with pretty much everything. You can do a lot of classics with it. So I really enjoy playing and working with Jin. Well, your book is really beautiful and the photography is really great. So I'm interested to know how you were able to select the particular cocktails you selected. What was your process of choosing which ones to amplify in your book? I have to interrupt a little bit because he's very modest and Nick is very, very interested in food. And also he has been working with gin for a long time, making gin tonics. And, you know, our friends have been begging him to make like a cooking book or make something about gin or try to get him out there and, and share his work because he has, he's always impressing <laughs> when we have people over. Yeah. We're also doing our own tonics, different types of tonics or tonic syrups as well. But when we did the book, I'm enjoying the classic cocktails more than like the long drinks and all the fizzy stuff. So I'm more into the old school cocktails and maybe refine the old school because those ones were really good. I like the elegant era, uh, the pre-prohibition time, the roaring 20s and so on. It's really... What's have been appealing to me and being kind of the inspiration for the book and then trying to pick out so we have a kind of wide variety of flavors during that era. We have made some exceptions with some drinks that are or cocktails that are a little bit newer and a few of my own as well. Got it. You know, one of the things that we set out, I mean, the reason we do the cocktail portion of the podcast is because we're on a journey to discover the best liquor cabinet for our flavor profile that we can. And what I noticed in your book is you put a list of ingredients to keep in your cocktail cabinet. Do you think that this book is a representation of your flavor profile or do you think it's more of a general flavor profile for the people who might buy your book? Uh, I have been trying to make it a more general flavor profile, but of course it's tainted by my flavors and the things that I maybe prefer a bit over another. But I've been trying to keep it as general as possible and also... I haven't been pointing out specific gin brands, for example, but more of types of gin from the four main types of gins. Well, you know, for us, we've tried various gins and we make what we call our perfect martini. And we found for our flavor profile that requires tangeray gin and dolan vermouth. and Orange bitters. A particular orange bitter yeah. and then orange peel. Like for us, that's the perfect combination after thousands of attempts after thousands of attempts <laughs> and then we also worked out the ratio so i was interested because you have a way different ratio and then you also add sweet vermouth to your gin martini and i was surprised by that so tell us about that mainly it's because it's not really a dry martini but more of a classic old school martini it's closer to the martinas than it is to a dry martini it gives it a little bit rounder flavor for more people to enjoy it i would enjoy a dry martini b not so much it's really not in her flavor profile mm -hmm. so i've been trying to rounding it off more to 
make it palatable to a broader audience. That's interesting. We'll have to try that just to I, see how it well, is. Well, I'm going to try it. I'm yeah. already like looking at things like I have to buy some new little liqueurs that he has here just so I can get to the profile that he's talking yeah, about. Because we're going to make every drink in your book. Yes, we are. We, okay. are. we are. We are. And I've made a lot of these. Yeah. I just want to look at the variations based on how he's made them and how I'm making them and then come to that happy medium in there. That's It's going to be fun. Yeah. You know, Nick, one of the things we learned, well, Lady Petra learned as in her journey as a mixologist, is that there's a magic ingredient. Ugh. And, it's so magic. <laughs> yeah, and we've discovered that pretty much every single cocktail that has Dom Benedictine in it, it's just a beautiful cocktail. It makes drinks better. Yeah, so do you have a, a secret ingredient? Yeah, but the problem right now for me is, for my personal taste right now, I'm really sold on using absinthe. It makes every cocktail fantastic. There isn't an absinthe cocktail that isn't fantastic for most people, not so much. So it's a little bit of personal preference there. But also elderflower liqueurs, is they're really, really good for lifting the flavors and pretty much everything. So if you had a drink that had Don Benedictine, absinthe... <laughs> and, and elderflower, and you might man. have a winning yeah. combination. <laughs> uh, okay, so talk a little bit about how the book came about and what led you to actually publish it. It's really cool, actually, about the book because the book is made in about like six weeks, I think. Yeah. And we have, during that time, we were testing a lot of different combinations and reading a lot of old books. And I think that uh, my liver got like a really big hit at that, uh, that was six weeks. So we started to join in with all our friends and got all our friends to help out in the end. So Yeah, yeah I think from... The day we decided that, or it wasn't actually me, it was B that decided, well, let's just do it. From that day until the day we sent it to the publisher, it was pretty much six weeks, including pictures and photo editing. That's really amazing. Who did the photography? It's uh, our uh, really, really good friend. She's a really good photographer and she has like an eye for lighting and setup and she never really photographed drinks before. So it was like new things. She's uh, doing a lot of landscape and stuff like that. Animals. And animals, but she had real good fun and now she's pushing us like, okay, where is your food Food yeah, book. <laughs> we need to continue in the next book now. So, yeah, we'll see. That's yeah, really that's great. exciting. The photography really is outstanding. It's really beautiful. Yeah, the book's really well done. It's well put together and it's thoughtful. Yeah. I'm curious, in your restaurant, do you do the same kind of focus or do you have like a full bar in your restaurant? We only do events, actually. Uh, so we only do custom events for groups in the size around 20 to 40 people. So we don't actually have a bar or restaurant as per today. It's in the plan for uh, the day we decide to go in pension, we're going to have a small scale restaurant. But as for today, we are only doing events. Got it. Okay. So do you do pairings when you do events? Yeah, we, we do both pairings and tastings. It's all comes down to what people are looking for. Yeah, normally our customers, they really just want to have a good time 
and they want to nerd out on gin and the taste combinations. And I think that our book has helped a lot to get uh, events too, because when people see the pictures, they want to try and they want to do stuff like that at home. So that's what we are offering. Yeah, and we have some really nice cooperations with some locals, local producers of both yin and absinthe as well. So we're able to offer some really special combinations as well. That's really great. That's exciting. That's really exciting. exciting. Very fun. I'm really impressed. I acknowledge you for getting into action and putting it all together and getting a book out. I mean, from conception to production in six weeks is remarkable. It's amazing. It's remarkable. So well done, really. Bravo on that. Tell our listeners how to find your book. Well, the book is possible to find on uh, nickstable.com. And it will be able for people to go and buy it. We also have a store coming up on Amazon where you can buy pictures like posters of from the book. It's really, really nice decor for bars or if you have a at-home bar with recipes on. But that's like in the tube right now and it's not really done yet. But maybe until this podcast is out. <laughs> Yeah, we'll also try to put up uh, like a promo code for your listeners. So, but you could probably put that in the show notes, the pro the promo code. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's really great. Yeah. So I want to remind the listeners that we have one signed book to give away. Yes. And if you're into cocktails and you want to explore gin with Nick and B's recipes, this mm-hmm. is actually a wonderful book to do that. So write into Lady Petra Playground, Playground at gmail.com mm-hmm. and the first person to do that will win themselves a book. Yes. Nick and B, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. It was really a great pleasure. We've been listening for your show for many years and it's so amazing to be a part of your journey and listening about your journey and seeing how many similarities there is in your way to interact with each other. Yeah, really. Appreciate it. That's great. It's great for us to hear that too because... You know, we don't run into that many people who are lifestyle kinksters. They're, most people are role play. And so to have other peeps out there, other couples that we can connect with that get it, it's just really powerful. So, yeah, it was really nice to be on the show together with you. Thank you very much for having us. And thank you for the inspiration. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers!